Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, May 2nd, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. You got some great spring-like weather yet, or is it still... <laughs> Today is a beautiful day, that's for sure. All right, good. Um, so what's coming up in the MBA universe? Are we... I mean, obviously, it seems like most stuff has ended, but I guess we're heading into round three stuff, right, with decisions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, actually, decisions, yeah, as you say, they're starting to come out round three, and it's only been a couple of weeks since we were talking about round three deadlines, but that yeah. just goes to show how quickly schools can get through their round threes because there's less candidates, it's a much shorter cycle. So this upcoming week, um, Darden and um, and Tepper are going to release their round three decisions, Tuck, Emery, uh, McDonough and, and McCombs are also releasing their round three decisions. So the next two to three weeks, I'd say, we'll see a lot of the round three activity sort of coming to a conclusion. The cycle is almost over, Graham, except for those poor folks on the wait lists. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that made, you know, kind of continue. And actually, I read there was an article in the Wall Street Journal the other day about how schools are really trying to convince people to matriculate. There's a little bit of a, you know, the job market's really great. Employers are offering incentives for those, you know, candidates who maybe have an offer to stick around and not go. So there's a little bit of a um, battle taking place. And so that could mean movement on the wait list though. So we, we will see how, how it all goes, but it's a, yeah, it's been a crazy. Yeah. Year. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. You, you say the job market's really great. I'm reading stories today about top tech firms starting to hit some headwinds. So I don't know if that's going to come, you know, ripple through the, the, the job markets a little bit, but it's not all rosy picture either, Graham. No, I mean, you know, the, the, yeah, the, all the earnings uh, the, over this past week have come out and, you know, you're seeing um, some of the companies falter a bit. And yeah, it is an interesting time. I mean, I think obviously the war in Ukraine, the, the sort of COVID situation in China. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. Yeah. But I, I do think that for those working at, you know, big time firms, you know, top talent type folk, you know, I guess it's that those employers want to keep them. So there seems to be, at least that's what we're hearing. And, you know, the Wall Street Journal reported on it and we're hearing a little bit about it from schools. So, but we'll see how it all shakes out. Hopefully for some of those on the wait list, it's, it turns into to good news. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we shall see. Very good. Very good. So the other thing I want to always remind people is, you know, continue to, uh, it, to the extent that you're able, we love your support, send us emails, uh, write reviews on the, on the podcast platforms. You can always write to us at info at clearadmit.com, use the subject line wiretaps, and we'll get you a response. And uh, Alex, the other thing I wanted to mention is over on the website, we continue to, I don't know how many of these things they're going to be, but we had such a great response on our Real Humans alumni series that there's still more coming here. And so I wanted to mention for those tuned in today that you can go into the website and read. We have five new profiles up. There's a woman named Karin who went to CMU Tepper and now works at Google. There's a guy named Marcus who went to Cambridge Judge and is now at Microsoft. We have Simon who did an MBA at INSEAD and is working at the Boston Consulting Group as well as Sarah, who did Cornell Johnson and is also at BCG. And then the last one we recently published is a fellow by the name of Chris, who 
did his MBA at USC Marshall and is now at Google. So it's just always interesting to see kind of where people land and, and in what role. So the Google guy that I just mentioned, Chris, if memory serves, he's doing like financial, uh, kind of financial analyst role at Google. And so whereas other people working at Google doing like product management or, you know, things like that. So it's always interesting the range of opportunities in, in tech specifically. Uh, so yeah, lots going on. Those are great profiles to read, learn about people's journey to business school and into their career. No, fantastic. A couple of Googlers and a couple of BCGers in, the, in that mix. Very good. Yeah. So uh, the other thing is this Wednesday at noon Eastern, we're going to be kicking off the first in our series of events, uh, kind of admissions events for the season. We do these virtual kind of online events where we host top business schools and, you know, ask questions. And, and this first batch of, of uh, events that we're going to be doing over the course of May is all about just sort of application overview. So it's, this isn't kind of, everyone probably knows us for these essay workshops that we run in the summer months in July, and then usually again in, in the fall. But this is a kind of an overview series where we just sit down with schools and Talk about like how their application may differ from their peers, what they're looking for, and also just get them to sort of pitch in on advice and things for candidates that are, you know, embarking on the process for this year. So I'm really excited. I'm going to be hosting these events. And on Wednesday, I'm sitting down with Berkeley, the, Eric uh, Askins, who's the director of admissions at Berkeley with Diana Economy over at Michigan Ross. She's the director there. And then we've got uh, Virginie Fougere from INSEAD joining us. And then I think it's Jared Liu over at Yale. So a really good group of veteran admissions officers, directors to kind of, you know, check in and, and you know, really comb through their application process. And if, you know, people who attend these events are going to be really well prepared for the admission season. So they're a lot of fun. And we've got quite a good number of signups, right, Graham? Yeah, hundreds. So it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. And what we normally do is, uh, you know, we have this kind of roundtable where I ask questions to the schools, and then at the end, each school goes off into an individual breakout room so that candidates can go and, and ask their questions and bounce from one room to the other. So it'll be a lot of fun. And and over the course of the month, we're going to have you know Tapper, Cornell, Duke, Wharton, uh, UT Austin, Columbia, Chicago, Dartmouth, Darden, uh, Stanford, London Business School. So really a, a ton of great schools. So. Definitely sign up for that. You can go to tinyurl.com forward slash clear admit events. That's all one word, all lowercase. So I'm looking forward to getting back into event season. It'll be a lot of fun. Very good. Very good. So Alex, anything on your mind before we kind of dive into the candidates that you've selected? It's a really good batch this week as always, but this is going to be a lot of fun, I think. No, let's kick on. All right. So let's talk about wiretaps candidate number one. So this is an apply wire entry that we received from a candidate who's got eight schools on the target list. And those schools are Cornell, Dartmouth, Harvard, MIT, Kellogg, Chicago Booth, Wharton, and Yale. And this candidate's going to be applying over the course of the next several months and is looking to start school in the fall of 23. They've been working in consulting and they want to continue a consulting career. They have Bain, BCG, McKinsey, and Deloitte on the target list for post-MBA work. Their GRE is a 333, really high score there, and their GPA is a 3.33. So clearly they have something going on with the, with the number three when it comes to academic <laughs> measures. They've been working for four years. They're located in Shanghai, and they wanna land on the East Coast after business school. 
This is an interesting story, though, in the sense that we don't know the nationality of this individual, but they did do all their schooling in America, so we might, um, you know, rightfully conclude that they are American. Um, it's un it's unclear, but it seems that way. They they did a top 20 public university for undergrad, and they'd studied biomedical engineering. Then they did a master's, a one-year master's in that same subject area where they earned a 3.6 GPA, and they did that at a, what they described as a rural ivy. So I'll let you kind of speak to the rest of it, but they basically went off to China after that and have had a range of experiences in China that we should probably discuss. And yeah, just kind of weigh in on, on things. But Alex, what made you choose this candidate? And yeah, what do you want to highlight here? Well, quite honestly, Graham, I really like this candidate because they went off, um, you know, their experiences in China. I'm making an assumption that they are from the U.S. Um, and and I, I think that that sort of says a lot about this candidate. Um, obviously, entrepreneurial experience abroad and then PM product management experience in, in, in the sort of tech space and now switching to consulting in that same space, sort of a healthcare tech type sort of focus. Um, but the fact that they did it all in China, I think that's absolutely fantastic, um, quite honestly. So that should help them stand out. It's quite interesting. I think they were, they were more concerned that that might hold them back a little bit. But I think that says quite a lot about their character, their, their sort of innovation, sort of getting out of their comfort zone potentially um, um, to, to, to do this work in China. So I have to say that should be um, a, a real positive if, if I've not mis misunderstood um, their profile. Having a, a, you know, a, a very strong GRE score, it's probably equates to, you know, probably a 750 on the GMAT or something like that. That's obviously going to be very good. Um, their, their GPA um, is, 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 yeah, is fine. I don't think that's going to hold them back. They've got a master's too from a rural Ivy, whatever that means. But <laughs> it means Dartmouth or, or Cornell, right? <laughs> oh, there we go. Thank you for that. <laughs> but, but the point is, I think all that stuff's going to be fine. Um, and, and, and yeah, quite, quite honestly, Graham, I think there's a lot to like here. If they execute well on their application, they articulate well their goals and their goals make sense based on what they've done. If they come across as someone that's, taken advantage of their opportunities, progressed and moved up and not just been a job hopper, which, you know, three, three different positions in four years. Um, they've just got to make sure that there's a natural flow between, you know, what are the decisions behind their switches? And, the, you know, the first decision behind the switch was the startup went bust after a, a while, right? But that's not necessarily a bad thing. There's a lot of learning out of that type of experience. Um, so, so, yeah, Frankly, Graham, I think a lot to like here. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I feel like the the only things that jumped out at me that as potential concern were I was curious to know like where's this person from originally. But either way, like I, I think it's it's an interesting set of experiences. As you said, they went and did a startup in Beijing. It failed in part due to COVID. At least that's how they described that. And then they pivoted into a, a you know working for a unicorn and and had some good experience there and now we're doing consulting all in the healthcare kind of medical devices type you know tech domain so and they want to continue it seems in that domain a bit after so everything kind of adds up to me they will need to weave together these experiences lest they feel you know sort of look like a job hopper or something as you correctly point out but i agree they should be able to get into a top program you know i yeah i, I feel like there's not a lot, I mean, I, we don't have a ton on the extracurriculars here, but it still, I, I feel like 
it's a really interesting profile, especially if they're like American or, you know, and, and if they're, or even if they're just from somewhere other than China, you know, the right. fact that they um, kind of went out and, and did that because they will bring a variety of interesting experiences into the classroom. I was thinking about the fact they're in Shanghai, which right now is a really, you know, kind of, at least from what we read in the Western media and stuff is kind of a, there's a lot of challenges there with COVID right now and lockdowns and things. So yeah, they'll, they'll have a few stories to tell, <laughs> I would expect, uh, if they make it into a, a top MBA classroom. But I, yeah, I feel I'm optimistic and I do agree that the three six from an Ivy in biomedical engineering, in terms of the master's degree they earned, that to me, puts aside any of the concerns on the 3.3 undergrad in terms of it being a little below average, plus that 3.33 GRE. So I think they're all set. They just need to execute on the applications. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, again, that 3.3 comes from an engineering um, program, probably quite rigorous and so on and so forth. So in some, a lot to like, very good execution on the application is going to be necessary, but a lot to like. Yeah, agreed. So I want to thank that person for submitting their candidacy. Hope they're staying safe uh, out there in Shanghai. And, and yeah, they just need to, as you say, execute on the applications and keep us posted as to how it all unfolds. Uh, in the meantime, Alex, let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is another ApplyWire entry, and this candidate has 10 schools on the target list. And those schools are Berkeley, Columbia, Cornell, Harvard ESA, London Business School, MIT Sloan, Stanford, Wharton, and Yale. They describe their pre-MBA career as kind of a sports manager. So I think they're doing a kind of sports management track. They've actually been recently working on a master's degree in that domain. They indicate an intake year of 2024. So I'm a little confused about that, but we'll, we'll get into that as we kind of break down the candidacy, because that would mean they wouldn't be applying just yet. They would actually be applying like a year from now. So uh, in any event, we'll talk about that. They want to get into consulting or technology or entrepreneurship. They have a lot of possible paths post-MBA, and they list some companies, Deloitte, Apple, Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, and Tesla. <laughs> uh, the GMAT score is a whopping 750. They have three years of work experience. The only wrinkle is that they are currently 30 years old. So I I'm, I'm need to talk with you about the math on this, because if they're 30 and they have only three years of work experience, I'm kind of wondering what they've been doing since they would have, you know, kind of been of university age and all that stuff. Uh, but we can talk through that. The work experience is a bit of a mishmash. You know, they have been running or kind of serving as a general manager for an escape room company, which has multiple stores or locations across Athens because uh, they are in Greece. And yeah, and then they also, as I said, they're doing this kind of sports uh, management type master's degree, and that's resulted in a whole string of internships, uh, a couple of which have been with football clubs. So, and you would know more about this, but I don't know this uh, Olympiakos uh, Football Club of Athens. I assume that's a known football club. Oh yeah. And then I'm, that I'm displaying my ignorance of the sport. And then they also, I didn't know, there's apparently a Boston Braves football club in Boston that they also did a kind of um, internship with. So they've had a number of experience on that, but the big, big thing that I haven't mentioned, Alex, and that part of the reason that you selected them is that they didn't pursue or complete an undergraduate degree. So they have a master's, but no undergrad. And I'll let you kind of speak to that and to just generally what you think of this candidate, because this is a really unusual case. Yeah, the, the, there's definitely a lot to like here, but there's lots of unknowns here too. So it's, again, it's going to be about this candidate revealing those unknowns and sort of 
executing on their candidacy very, very sort of crisply. Um, what's to like here? I mean, 750 on the GMAT. I mean, that they've got to be wicked smart, even if they don't have an undergrad, Graham. <laughs> and, you know, certainly that's way beyond my sort of um, capabilities, but I'm not applying to a top tier <laughs> business school. Um, but 750 on the GMAT. They're from Greece, so certainly not an overrepresented candidate in the candidate pool. True. Um, I would say so that plays to their advantage. I think some of their work experience may play to their advantage in terms of sports-related experiences currently in e-sports, which we know is a really interesting and a fast-growing sector of sports-slash-gaming. Um, so, you know, they're currently in e-sports and their goals are potentially, you know, product manager in e-sports and so forth. So that's really interesting too. So those are the sort of high points, I think. Mm-hmm. Um as you point out, you know, they're 30 years old with three years of work experience. So there's some gaps there they're going to need to articulate um, sort of. It doesn't sound like they've had a, an orthodox sort of, you know, went to undergrad at 18, 21, 22, graduated, three or four years of experience applying to business school. That's clearly not the case for this candidate um, we know that they didn't complete an undergrad due to, they say, COVID-related issues, which would mean that they were trying to complete the undergrad only a couple of years ago. So again, that just doesn't, um, you know, resonate with 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 their age. So so we probably need to know a little bit more about, you know, actually the the pathway that they've taken, the fact that they have a master's degree. Um, as well as a certificate, as well as a 750 GMAT, may help mitigate not having an undergrad degree. But for many schools, having an undergrad degree is a sort of prerequisite, barring unusual sort of circumstances. They're going to have to overcome that sort of barring unusual circumstance hurdle to show um, that, that, that they have the prerequisites to apply. The optional essay is obviously the, the medium that they'll use to sort of uh, mitigate that um, a little bit. So, so Graham, you know, a lot to like here, but quite a few questions that uh, are hard for us to sort of digest, I think. Yeah, and I do know, I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about as you were talking is the fact that, I mean, Greece does have a mandatory military service requirement. Okay. Um, and I, but it's, I believe it's only a year or something. So, but that could explain like one year, right? Maybe that gets them, you know, and I know they started an undergraduate program. They just didn't finish it. Right. Uh, and it looks like they have a certificate uh, from that institution or, for, you know, from the UK that sort of indicates that they did a year's worth. So it's hard to know. Yeah, there's just a lot of question marks. But I, I want to put the question to you, because there's a very fundamental question here. Can you get into business school if you don't have an undergraduate degree? And I know that we've talked about it maybe many episodes back or something, but what's the verdict there? I think it's very tough. Mm-hmm. But you... you but there are exceptions, yeah. right? So I don't think it's beyond reach. And I do think this candidate might be able to overcome that hurdle with the 750 GMAT, with the master's degree. I think that's sort of critical in, in, in this. And I know several months ago now, we discussed another candidate um, who hadn't had an undergrad degree, but completed a master's. They'd intended to complete an undergrad, but were actually advised to actually just take the master's. Um, unfortunately, we don't know 
I don't think we know um, how successful that candidate was ultimately in the admissions process. So if, if they happen to be listening, it'd be good to hear back from them. Yeah, we need to we, we need to have a where are they now kind of segment yes. on the show where we bring back. Uh, and that, that would be a lot of fun. No, that that's not a bad idea. Yeah. In yeah. fact, if you're listening and you had a profile that was reviewed at some point and you want to come on the show with us or something, that would be a lot of fun to talk with someone about how good or bad our advice was and where they ended up and all that stuff. But and, I do. Yeah. And, 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 and I'd be asking them, why are you still listening? Yeah, why, but there we go. Why on earth are you still listening? <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but in all seriousness, I do think you're right. So, so to me, the keys to getting into business school, if you have no undergraduate, you know, no undergraduate degree are having a master's. So you somehow jumped ahead and just did a master's anyway. And having a very high test score. Yeah. But I think even then, it's going to be, I think the master's degree is going to be really scrutinized for relevant coursework. And so I don't know what a sports management degree looks like in terms of, you know, is there a lot of finance or, you know, what operations, like what, what kinds of courses do you take and how right. rigorous would they be viewed by the admissions reader? But in any event, I'm, I would not say that this person has no chance or anything. Again, they have that high test score. They have kind of an interesting background and... I just feel like there's some gaps that we need more data on. And so hopefully yeah. they'll provide that uh, on the site or by emailing us and we can kind of weigh back in. But it's very interesting just this fact that they don't have the degree. Be, and because they're a little bit sort of further along in, in their life, if not in their career, um, I wonder if, you know, executive MBA programs or, or sort of other formatted, you know, top MBA programs might be worth at least exploring and whether they're a little bit more forgiving if they don't have that undergraduate degree. Yeah. Um, but that might be a, something to look at, depending, again, where they're currently working, if there's a top business school within proximity, because typically with those executive MBA programs, um, you, you, you're not going to want to be traveling halfway around the world to take the, the coursework. Yeah, it's tricky because on the one hand, it seems like their work experience doesn't merit a kind of executive type course, right? They don't have right. a lot of, but yeah, it's tricky. I think, uh, again, if I were them, I would actually reach out to some of the schools that they're considering once they know their kind of storyline yeah. and be, and, and just frankly, like ask some of these schools, like, Hey, I don't have an undergraduate degree. Here's why. And I do have a master's and I have a 750 on the GMAT. Should I apply? Yeah. And they may find some schools say, no, we, we're not going to take you. And others are going to say, yeah, by all means, give it a shot. So I would encourage them to have a, some frank conversations, but only after they really know their storyline and have all that, you know, the, what the, what did they do from age 18 to now yeah. kind of in place? Should, <laughs> uh, the only lesson, yeah, yeah go Should ahead, they ask them, should I apply or should they ask them, could I get admitted? <laughs> I think they need to just say, should I apply? Right. Because no one's going to. Well, no, I say, could I, I get admitted? Would I qualify for admission? Slightly different question. Yeah. Anyone can apply, right? True. Yeah. So they should ask them whether they, yeah, whether they would be ruled out just because they don't have this degree, um, the undergraduate degree. The other thing I was just thinking is, I wonder why they say 2024, because if I'm 30 and I've already got a master's and I'm wanting to go to business school, I, I don't think I should be waiting around. Like, I, right. I wonder what's going on there. But again, a lot of question marks, but it's an interesting candidacy to debate. And, you know, again, we'll just see what happens. Hopefully they can provide more details. And again, one thing that we talk about a lot is, you know, the folks that are coming from traditional industries and traditional backgrounds really need to try to stand out. And folks that are coming from non-traditional industries and non-traditional backgrounds really need to show how they'll fit in. Right. And this candidate fits into that latter bucket. 
It can be an advantage being an unorthodox candidate because they're going to bring different conversations to the classroom. That's a key advantage. They will need to show how they'll fit in and how they'll fully engage. Yeah, agreed. So I want to thank that person for sharing that unusual kind of profile. It always is just interesting to see that stuff and for us to weigh in. So, um, But let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So this is another ApplyWire entry, and this candidate wants to start business school in the fall of 23, and they just have four schools currently on the target list, and those schools are Cambridge, Oxford, London Business School, and MIT Sloan. And this candidate is working in Canada. They are a structural engineer come project manager, and they would love to kind of get into consulting or tech after business school, and they list Bain, BCG, and McKinsey as the likely targets. The GMAT score is a 710, the GPA a 3.27. They've been working for seven years, so they have a lot of work experience. They, as I said, are in Canada, but they want to land in the UK post-MBA, although they're thinking that, you know, if they end up at MIT, maybe some other options open up for them. But that's why they have this kind of UK focus on their target list for schools. They are. They say they're 28, male, and they are doing pretty interesting work. We should get into some discussion on this, but they're working in the kind of Canadian oil sands, and they have a very uh, big role as a project manager. And you know, they've even got some, I guess, some patents that they've done. And I mean, there's a lot going on with their work experience that I think, as you say, with this uh, candidate we just discussed earlier, that would allow them to bring kind of unusual and interesting stories into the classroom. So their main question, though, is GPA a little low at 3.27. They're sort of worried about that. They do mention that they finished in the top 15% of their program. So they think that there's great deflation <laughs> at their program. Uh, and, you know, I would add, they didn't mention this, but I would add that the GMAT is also below average for, at least for MIT uh, on their list. Now, the, the, the UK school is a little different, but in any event, they want to move to the UK and they have this UK focus, but they're curious about what we think about that. And they mentioned their spouse, I guess, is an EU citizen, which is driving this a little bit in terms of their wanting to get over to Europe. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that they said that they, they said, quote, I love the podcast. Graham and Alex, you guys are awesome. I feel like I have a better understanding of my application pitfalls and what to look out for. So there it is, Alex. What, what do you think are the key issues with this candidacy? Well, frankly, I think this, again, another really, really interesting and, and potentially very strong candidate. Um, yeah, their GPA doesn't jump off the page at 327, but engineering GPA, they're top 15% of their class. Um, 710 on the GMAT, a little ho-hum, quite frankly. Um, if this was a 740 or 750 GMAT, I, I'd say, yeah, I mean, not, not that we should just focus on test scores, but that would be the icing on the cake, wouldn't it, really? But even at 710, GMAT 327, GPA top 15, I absolutely love their work experience. I, I might be a little bit biased, Graham, you know, my, my several years in, in, as an adcom um, at the Wharton School, but I loved engineers that did stuff and made stuff and created stuff. <laughs> and it just seems like this person has done this on steroids. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sure there's some really interesting work experience to show their impact and progression and sort of 
lots and lots of really good stuff can come out of that. And then you combine that, it sounds like they've done some really interesting extracurriculars and that's based off of their family backgrounds or something they're personally passionate about. So they come across as genuinely a, a very cool person. I mean, obviously, when you meet them in the interview, you might have a, a different reaction, I suppose, but it seems like there's a lot, a lot to like here. Yeah. <laughs> I, and yeah. it, it really struck me because I, I kind of encourage this person to maybe shoot for the stars a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why not sort of, you know, try HBS or something like that? And they said, and, and they said, do you think HBS is worth a flyer? It seems so unattainable that I'm a bit hesitant to apply. And frankly, it's like if you don't apply, then you've absolutely, HBS is non-attainable. It's only attainable if you choose to apply. Take that flyer. And what's the, the, the cost? I mean, okay, there is a little bit of a cost associated with the application and the time involved. But, you know, yeah, I would I would say, let's say this person got admitted to Judge LBS, Sloan and Said, which is quite possible that they do go across the board. Wouldn't they always wonder, maybe I should have had a shot at Wharton, maybe I should have had a shot at HBS, Stanford or whatever. Yeah. So take that shot, get rejected and know yeah. when, wherever you do get admitted, that's where you belong. Absolutely fantastic. And yeah. Frankly, Graham, I could go on and on because I, I do like this type of profile. Yeah, I mean, the thing that sort of jumped out at me is that, um, you know, they've been, <laughs> they talk about working with dump trucks the sizes of homes yes. <laughs> in their work, you know, because they're, they're out in the fields and they're, they're you know, project managing some really big projects. But the other thing that I thought was um, quite interesting was that if they do consulting after business school, what they're quite interested in is focusing on kind of greenifying and optimizing operations in, in different sectors. And I think, you know, obviously the, the energy sector is a, a sector that, that that's going to be really important for, right? So they have, yeah, there's just a good storyline here. Now, I do agree. First, first of all, I'm not worried about the GPA. 3.27 out of Canada, presumably, in a challenging major, they're top 15% of their class. And, and so I'm, I'm not worried about the GPA. I do feel like if they've only taken that GMAT once and got a 710, I would love to see a second effort and an aim for something north of that. Um, I don't think it's required for them to go to Cambridge, Oxford, or maybe even LBS. But I think that getting a score closer to the average with the MITs of the world would certainly improve their odds at MIT, or as you say, if they were to take a flyer on a Harvard or a Wharton. I will say, if they want to, one of their questions might be, wait, but I want to work in the UK, right? So why would I go to school in America? And I, the only thing I would say to that is, if there were schools in America that I wanted to target that would give me a good chance of getting over to the UK, the two that come to my mind instantly are, are Harvard and Wharton, just because of the size of the network. Yeah. Because they both have these massive networks. They graduate really large classes year after year. They've been around forever. So they have a really good footprint. And I can attest just personally that the network and the alumni clubs in London for both Harvard and Wharton are really vibrant and large. So if they wanted to land there, they could. I would argue actually that, you know, to some extent, they probably have more people, you know, than MIT Sloan does in London, right? So there's, you know, something to keep in mind, even though Sloan is a fantastic program that they probably would really excel in. So in any event, I just did wonder, there's kind of this drop off, right? So it's sort of like, 
I don't know. I just, yeah, I can't help but worry that they're not, like you said, they're never going to know if they don't sort of cast a slightly wider net. And so I would apply, you know, to at least one of those schools that we mentioned, you know, whether it's Harvard or, or Wharton or whatever. And, I, you know, some of that depends on what they want to do and, you know, what's their best kind of learning method and stuff. But I, I yeah, I feel like they could do it. I obviously, if they were to try to go to a Wharton or a Harvard or, or a Sloan, I'd want to see the test retaken unless they tell us, oh, I've already taken it three times and this is the best I can do, in which case I'd say, okay, put it to bed. But if they feel like they could really, you know, spend four to six weeks now um, buckling down and, you know, living and breathing GMAT and then walk out with a 740 or something, that, that could be game changing for them, both in terms of where they get in, but even maybe in terms of some scholarship dollars. Yeah, no, no doubt. I'll just add to that a 710 will will not be the lowest score at Harvard and Wharton by any stretch. No. So we're not saying that that's, uh, you know, a prerequisite to getting considered at those top schools. I mean, that's quite clear. But there's no doubt, as a candidate, you need to provide your best profile all around, right? Whether that's your test score, your GPA, your your work experience, your essays, wh whatever it is, right? You don't want to leave anything. So I think our advice is more... If you got a 710 after being a quick study to just get the test done, then absolutely knuckle down and get your best score. Yeah. Because that might open up dollars at the schools you're targeting, but also might further open up access to Sloan, to Wharton, to Harvard, Stanford, um, and, and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah. and there's time to do it. If, yeah, I mean, obviously they might be in one of those Northern provinces in Canada, nowhere near, <laughs> I don't know where they are. I've just got these imaginations that they're, they're driving <laughs> these dump trucks as big as houses across some polar landscape somewhere, but, um, they're not driving um, the trucks, I don't think, but they're, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they're doing, but, they're, but it sounds fantastic. But, quite but you might be right that, you know, there may not be too much to do at night. And so taking, you know, to practice tests on the GMAT could be, you know, smart. So yeah. uh, the yeah. last thing I was going to add is that you mentioned it, I think, in the uh, post on the website, but, you know, they want to work in consulting short term and they want to be in Europe, preferably the UK. And so part of me was thinking, gee, you know, you had mentioned it, but INSEAD's a good landing spot too. I mean, yeah. especially for consulting and especially if their spouse is a EU citizen, that's not the same thing as a UK citizen. And so they might, you know, if they want to work in Europe, like obviously, and, and I will contest that, you know, uh, sorry, will attest that INSEAD has a really large alumni network in London too. So that's another program. Also, it's just one year like Cambridge and Oxford are. So something to keep in mind as well. But again, the GMAT average, you know, is probably a little bit higher than 710 over there too. So yeah, just want to mention INSEAD as well as a potentially good option for this candidate. A very good option. Yeah. Yeah. Especially they're a little bit older. Yes. So um, makes sense. So uh, Alex, these were great candidates and I'm judging by the fact that you picked three apply wire entries that the sort of, you know, the, the page has been turned and we're now really focusing on the coming application cycle <laughs> for, for next season with our events starting and everything else. So I uh, appreciate you picking these out, but yeah, it's been, it's always good to sort of talk through these candidates and stuff. Very good. Best of luck, everyone. Stay safe. So we'll do it all again in one week's time. <laughs> Very good. Take care.